0: Welcome back, everybody. We are at St. James Coffee here in Rochester, Minnesota, and the rain has turned over to snow, which I wasn't expecting today, (laughs) which is all right. I guess it's November, right? We should expect that, and uh, it's kind of really pretty watching out the windows here this morning and watching the snow fall, and I guess that's kind of the beginning of of winter, don't we say that? Oh, so it's really nice, isn't it? And then (laughs) two, three months into it, we're like, oh, this is enough of snow. (laughs) Yeah, actually...
1: It looks kind of beautiful, but yeah. I know it won't stick around. No. The ground is so wet. Yeah. And,
0: but it does look neat. It is kind of cool as we're watching it go down. And, you know, um, talking about the adoption and, and with, with with Sarah, you know, me and my wife had, had thought about doing foster care for a while and you know, it's such a it's such a decision, and you go into prayer in that, Father. And I I still think you know we're young, we're you know only 50, so we still consider it. I wonder, you know, I wonder if there's other, because there's such a a great need for that, you know. And it, I don't know, it just stirred something in my heart while we were talking about that. So maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll have more discussion on that so that's part of what's what why we bring these things to and it happens to whoever's listening you know even even the host sometimes that we get things that that the lord is stirring in our, in our hearts, so... <laughs> that's right. Well, that's one of the aspects of the... We, we study various
1: forms of spirituality. Uh, I, myself, am a secular Carmelite, a third-order Carmelite. Mm-hmm. But I've also had the, the blessing and opportunity to study the Ignatian spirituality. And the, one of the emphases of Ignatian spirituality, you, you listen to the movements of your heart because God is continually speaking. God speaks through people. God speaks through life events. God speaks through experiences in nature, but mm-hmm. God, God also speaking directly to one's heart. And that's, that's the most important, the direct message, because it, it's a personal love that our Lord has with us. Yeah. Uh, not, God's not out there somewhere speaking to other people, He's speaking to each and every one of us. And for us, uh, it's a lifelong process to learn to listen to God. And part of the listening aspect is not just to hear what God says but to allow the hearing also to have the power to move the heart to action, to engage the will so that the hearing becomes a response back to God. Mm. So that's one of the ways, actually, that St. Ignatius taught about uh, what what it means to experience the relationship with God, the divine consolation or mm-hmm. the, the spiritual consolation is when, when we experience or hear God's voice acting, if we're then responding to praise God, to love God, to thank God, then we have a solid assurance that that was a real interaction with mm-hmm. God because God inspires us or leads us to interact with him, to love him, and to join with the angels and the saints. In heaven, who are praising him continually, so those interior movements are quite important. Yeah. And, and whatever takes us away from God, uh, or uh, we want to pray against that, we want to resist right. that. We want to resist the the negative thoughts or the ideas that lead us stuck. And many times it's unforgiveness or resentments, uh, various things that where we're stuck uh, thinking about things of this world. Right, and uh, we we need each day to have that uh, uh, the water of the love of God to. Uh, warm and, and water our hearts and minds with His grace. Yeah. So
0: prayer, prayer, adoration—those all those things where we quiet, oh, quiet where we quiet ourselves into the into that movement of God, right? Yes. I, and I don't want to get too far into this, but when you say that, like, there's movements of, you know, the interior, the heart, of course, the mind, and and of course of spirit of the spirit, right? So I mean, mm-hmm. they all are in connect, in, interconnected. But there's ways of and then Ignatius talks about that is he, does he not yes, Ignatius talks
1: about the the interconnectedness of of the movements of the heart, but also then what god is is doing um
0: bringing that forward to us in in it, our consciousness, it, right
1: yes, yes, yeah. and then the act of the will, God makes us to know sometimes in the moment, but sometimes it's after that it was really our Lord doing these things right, yeah, yeah
0: so that's pretty cool, yep, yeah yeah uh well, Father, I think we're getting ready for our uh segment here and I thanks for the thanks for those uh, inputs on on the inner movements yeah, very well good. here we are on our segment straight talk with father Randall Kazel he's here to answer your questions and we uh, are excited to bring this segment uh, every every time we have a priest on we're we're here and we open up the phone lines or to our Facebook. The phone line is 877 Or you can go right online and go to our Facebook page and you can certainly write your uh, request uh, online and it'll be put on to us and Father will be able to read that. So, right off the bat here, Father, we have a phone call already. We have a listener on, on the phone. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry. He is not on the phone. I guess we lost him. So I'm going to read this question. He left this for us. Was St. Benedict, founder of the Benedictine order, a priest? We hear about relativism, but where does it come from, and what is the origin of relativism, Father?
1: Oh, well, let's start with the Saint Benedict yep. one. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not an expert on Saint Benedict, uh, but what I recall in celebrating the feast day is that he was not a priest; he was a he was a monk. Okay. And he, um, I'm happy if someone lets me know I'm I'm incorrect. <laughs> it's no problem. Uh, but I I'm a I'm a Carmelite.
0: <laughs> you can actually call it
1: Saint John of the Cross? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Saint Benedict, he was a monk. Uh, he founded the the monastery, the most famous one, the Monte Cassino. But he's considered the father of of West. monasticism and the benedictine order was profoundly important in the conversion of europe because as the the conversion and the monks were thinking in around the 500s here about in that time frame roughly uh that the the benedictine monks as they began to grow and they were their prayer and and work that was their their mantra their their Mm -hmm. theme that was inspired in benedict we pray and we work and that was the that mutual gift of prayer to god and then the the work was in uh, prayer continually inspired the work that we do. So um, that gave uh, the, the grace and the impetus for conversion. Mm. And that very ideal then began to spread as the monasteries grew and they went around to other areas of Europe. Towns formed around them and they began to form community life and expand the community out into the local towns where people would come to them. And so the, the eventually, though, they would have... Uh, uh, Benedictines who were monks become ordained priests and would serve the the pastoral needs not only of the monastery but also then of the people who that would, were would form mm-hmm. around the, the the monastery community. It was a beautiful way in which our Lord worked for interior conversion mm. to have prayer be the center of a town, of a community and then have it go into the works that the people would do, prayer and works. So, is that where good the
0: Saint, Is that where the Saint Benedict the medal? I mean, that's about all about conversion, right?
1: Yeah, the Saint Benedict medal was all about conversion in the interior life, and really, the Saint Benedict medal at its heart is living the baptismal promise. Right. So, if you remember, what we have in the baptismal promise is not only the threefold question of belief in the trinity belief in god and what he has revealed about the path of salvation but then also the rejection of the devil because Mm -hmm. the devil also uh, has a tries to devise a plan for any human creature that will listen to his false plan a Mm -hmm. plan actually is for eternal loss or eternal damnation so but god has the plan for salvation Mm -hmm. so the the saint benedict medal wills or has as its blessing its charism to defend the soul on the path of right. salvation That's what from the attacks him. of the devil. So Saint Benedict was uh, was he was a kind of uh, of uh, one who helped deliver people from uh, the influence of evil. And he himself, though, was uh, profoundly converted to the grace of salvation.
0: Right. And I think when if I read if I read right, and I might be a little bit off on this, but I mean when he would when he would go out and, and talk to people, it was about cause pagan. You know, talked about spirits and that kind of thing, and he was talking more about God and being in in connection with god and that's where that's where the true uh saving power came from so you know the the break of that that was kind of how he got into you know talking with people about because people were always of course afraid of spirits and things so mm-hmm. yeah yep uh the f- next question here father is uh, we hear about relativism relativism but where does it come from and what is the origin of relativism father
1: oh that's a very good question uh Ultimately, the whole idea of relativism, we can go back to original sin, uh, relativism uh, in its essence really says that uh, what what God wills is really not necessary. Mm. Uh, What is God's decision and what God wants is, you know, you can take it or leave it and still be happy and and find your way to happiness. Uh, The reality is, though, that we, we cannot be happy and have the kind of happiness for which God made us and for which our hearts most deeply desire. In every single human person without God right. and without his will alive and active within us. So relativism goes back to that original act of Adam and Eve, and that's where the seed of it could be located. Uh, but in our modern times, uh, it's taken on a, a, a very active and aggressive form of the rejection of the divine will, mm. the rejection of the action of God's love uh, in the life of the church and shared through the life of the church to the world. Uh, basically, the, the idea is is, is a... A self-idolatry mm-hmm. that one can be one's own determiner of the outcome of one's life. Yeah, that's what and I've heard. Yeah. And one can give oneself happiness. Right. And it just simply, we're not made that way. It doesn't work. Uh, We can look for the roots of this in uh, the development of Freemasonry, where the the ideas of the rejection of religion, and specifically the Catholic religion, and the rejection of uh, the salvific grace of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, and the meaning that he gives us through the power of his holy cross, Mm -hmm. the shedding of his precious blood and suffering, and how when we, through faith in the grace of the Holy Spirit, identify with Jesus and identify with his saving action, that it transforms our inner life and it transforms the meanings of all the things that we experience you you think of someone who has faith in jesus and suffers in some way then all of a sudden that suffering becomes powerful Redemptive, But for someone who does not believe in Jesus or perhaps is not baptized, does not know of Jesus, well, what does that suffering mean? Does right. it have a meaning? Mm-hmm. See, one of the beautiful mysteries of the cross of Jesus, he has forever changed the meaning of suffering and given a power to it uh, that, that is salvific. Right. And it can be shared with the whole world. That's the importance of when you look at the life of St. Therese, for example. She wanted to be a missionary. And uh, she wasn't allowed to go be a missionary, to leave France and go to the Orient where she wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the monastery, she prayed that her life and grace could be an offering for missionaries and for the spreading of the gospel, for the love of Jesus, just love at the heart of the church. And she suffered. Right. And she offered her suffering. She to with that Jesus. over, yeah. Yeah. And she said, uh, even in the midst of some of her worst sufferings and her, in the dying process, she says, oh, how I love you. How I love Jesus mm-hmm. and how she offered herself, and what what is she today? Patron saint of missionaries, exactly. Right? She never was and a she missionary never person. and she
0: never even got out of yeah. out of France. And,
1: and how many people have been uh, moved and inspired, and lives have been changed from her right. life story, but also from her intercession right. in her offering that her her suffering truly. And some was of redemption. her writings, yeah. yes. So you can see the essential nature of living in the will of God and wanting the will of God, and how it's just impossible. To find happiness and to find uh, moral integrity and peace within one's heart mm-hmm. without the will of God and what He wills personally and universally yeah. in the moral law, and uh, that that discovery—that's what relativism attacks, you yeah. know, as a, as an idea and as a the basic idea is, is of relativism. I can be happy without God, right. you know, and whatever and that I, I want to believe. Satan, oh, Satan yeah. is just really oh, big on that, well, isn't big, he? Really, really a, putting
0: that in your mind. Oh, yeah, isn't that's he?
1: a key strategy he has to get someone to think that way, so that they can be really taken really away from. Really pushes them down. Away yeah. from god. Exactly. Yeah. The power yeah. the power we have in relation with God is union with his will. Do you yeah. see
0: that sometimes in people that you're working with and that you that you um, you know with people that are suffering and not just illnesses and, but but in some other things and they're just like you know why is god doing this to me right? You know and and, and they're really they're just not sure about where, where God is working in that suffering? Is that kind of, you know, in that? Well,
1: I, so I do see what you're describing in people sometimes mm-hmm. wanting to understand, you know, what, why does God permitted this? I wouldn't necessarily call that relativism, uh, but I would call that uh, some momentary confusion or momentary uh, our Lord is working on increasing their their faith and their life. Uh, okay. re- relativism is that, that decision to re- reject... The action of God and right. reject what He's doing. But if someone is asking the question, uh, they, they're not really rejecting God. They're they're trying to they're understand. They're trying to
0: understand it more. Okay. Because yeah. I just heard that I, I didn't know where that tied in. So mm-hmm. thanks for that explanation. Yeah. I appreciate that. Well, the next question here, Father. Thanks for all of those those inputs, Father. Today we celebrate the presentation of Mary. What is the origin of this belief that Saint Anne's I'm sorry, Saints Anne and Joachim presented Mary as a young child in the temple? What is its significance for us and you talked a little bit about this earlier but maybe go into a little bit more there.
1: Yeah, it comes from uh, an ancient time, an ancient custom uh, that Our Lady was presented in the temple. Uh, the exact source, uh, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. other than what I've read summaries of that this is what happened. And we have uh, sometimes statues we see of St. Anne teaching the Virgin Mary or uh, perhaps St. Anne and St. Joachim uh, in a kind of presentation. I've seen yeah. paintings of that. that I've was seen a, her
0: with a little desk. Have you seen that one? Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes,
1: yes. Uh, but the idea is is that Our, Our Lady, was conceived in the womb of St. Anne uh, free from original sin free from its gr- guilt and free from its effects
0: and that's the Immaculate Conception that's right? the
1: Immaculate Conception yeah which we celebrate here in a couple weeks and and that in in that grace that was given, uh, that grace of the Immaculate Conception uh, was given uh, with the foresight of Jesus on the cross, that he would win that grace for his own mother, to have her preserved from original sin and all personal sin, uh, because Mary never sinned. Mm -hmm. uh, And then furthermore, that this would happen so that Mary would be the unblemished flesh The unblemished mother, an unblemished woman, from whom the new man would come, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, the new Adam. And so from Mary, Jesus took his flesh, and his flesh then, the unblemished lamb, would be offered on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, and to offer the perfect atonement for all of our offenses, and that his blood being precious and free from all sin and defilement uh, would be a pleasing sacrifice to our Heavenly Father.
0: And it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, She's gotta be without sin. You can't have that in there, right?
1: Yeah, so getting back to the question, we celebrate the presentation of Mary. Now this is Mary presented in the temple in Jerusalem, so the idea here is that Mary was going to become the temple Mm -hmm. of God, and then at this time as a child, Uh, She, the temple of Jesus was being presented in the temple of the old covenant. Mm -hmm. So we we see a kind of transition here into what God willed and a showing of his wisdom that the temple would be a both and. So we, in the Catholic church, we know that we have churches and it is, each church is a kind of temple um, regarding uh, um, where Jesus Maintains a home in the mm-hmm. tabernacle, but also he will to have that beautiful way of having a living in our souls to be a, a temple of the Holy Spirit in each and every individual soul so this action that God willed for Mary and God we believe God inspired Saints Anne and Joachim to have this bringing of Mary to the temple uh, to present her there as a kind of transition, and that Mary then would have a kind of um, increasing understanding or knowledge inspired by the Holy Spirit of her coming role, not understanding fully, because she continually pondered what God was doing and how he was acting as the days went by, but nonetheless... Uh, receiving each event and, and she what is God the, wanted
0: she is the new Ark of the Covenant right?
1: she is yes yep. Yep. Well, then we get some great questions yes. here if you have a question please call in 877-795-0122 877-795-0122 or you can go through the website to submit a question
0: as well it's a uh, good good conversation there we had some good questions that came up right away on the so also you can go like you said to facebook and you can write a question on there if you'd like and we do have one right here uh from facebook it's Gary who has written on facebook father please speak on what we can do for our children when they experience nightmares
1: oh that's a very good very good question that's a common thing i uh counsel parents on that and I recommend first that that parents take great care to bless their children. Uh, moms and dads bless their children. Especially, I want to encourage dads to do the blessing for the whole family and pray that blessing upon them. Sometimes you uh, priests can bless oil. Of course, you can bring holy water home from the church and literally give that blessing. And and pray a blessing over the children. Uh, those blessings are very important. You also want to have your house blessed. Mm-hmm. You can have a priest over to do the blessing. And I like to do enthronements to the sacred heart and the immaculate heart. And, uh, and also a prayer with St. Joseph and Divine Mercy uh, for the home to be uh, blessed. And can, uh, provide graces to be the, the uh, domestic church mm. uh, so that the home is blessed. Uh, furthermore, um, if there is the experience of nightmares even in the midst of this that you want to... Bless the children again, uh, and also be able to encourage them to pray themselves because many times uh, it is a, a, a there's a reason for it that our Lord knows in his wisdom but praying with the children, that's mm-hmm. very powerful that they may pray the St. Michael prayer the Angel of God prayer uh, the Hail Mary and pray to St. Joseph we know him as the Terror of Demons I find one very helpful, you know, St. Anne and Joachim, you know, yep. the parents of our Blessed Mother they're, grandparents, they're, yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're, they're very helpful to pray for children because uh, yeah. St. Anne and St. Joachim, you imagine had that, you know Many parents would love what would have been, you know, what was little, little Mary, the the mother of Jesus. The future mother of Jesus. What would she like as a as a little five year old or sure. a ten year old? You know that would be a very interesting question. Uh, you know, very holy girl, obviously. Yeah, but absolutely. but uh, but I think parents, I'm uh, um, praying with your children and, and teaching children to pray through this mm-hmm. because at some point every single person needs to learn the spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. Every person needs to learn uh, that when we have something that frightens us, we need to pray. Yeah. And our Lord is the one who takes away fear. Our Lord is the one whose love casts out all fear and and. Having that be uh, something good that brings out of it, our Lord specializes to bring good out of the difficulty mm-hmm. we experience. And that's what the a- church. I'm
0: sorry, that's what the church teaches that we have these different realms, right?
1: That's right, absolutely. And if if God permits, some of these uh, harassing types of experiences for children to not be discouraged, but continually, um, engage in the spiritual battles that we have. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the things that helps too, if the family will pray the rosary together, pray Hail Mary's, uh, at least the deck of the rosary, uh, mom and dad praying with the children. And sometimes families don't, they, they, tend to get out of that a little bit because the children are not able to sit still, but th- you know, you let the children do the best they can right. and, and persevere in the prayer. And eventually they get a better and better and better. And they, they kind of like exercising,
0: right? You got to keep yeah. you got to keep on it and keep you know yeah. and then it gets they'll, a little bit easier as come you around. go out, right yeah yes. they'll come around when you were talking about blessings father is it is it good i know that the blessings are good any time, but when maybe specifically when they're going to bed, maybe when they're having this 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 type of an issue, right? To really center around that, to calm that child, which you said like the Angel of God or the Saint Michael prayer, but to do this together as you're as you're was tucking tucking your young child yep. or any yep. child really, it doesn't matter. I I, I sometimes still tuck my teenager in. You know? <laughs> yes, no,
1: absolutely. It's it, right before going to bed, and I think I think it's one of the great works of charity that parents show. To to their children, mm-hmm. that they will take time to stop whatever they're doing or to take time to love their children those moments before the children will go to sleep and to bless them mm-hmm. and to uh, avoid treating that uh, with. Uh, uh, that it's frivolous. It's right. it's not frivolous. It's very important uh, that that parents will bless their children and will help them to have that sense of of ease as they sleep. Yeah. So
0: with grandparents too. I mean to involve them and because sometimes children go to to their grandparents to, to sleep over or whatever. You know to, to, yep. to talk about that and be in a, 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 an an ever growing family to have the grandparents, you know, be a part of that too. So that's true. Uh, I
1: would say as long as on the same note uh, we we don't think of blessings. And I, I think it's good to have an idea of blessing when you begin the day that you teach teach children because that, that counts then as you begin the day, because many of the day, the actions of the day, uh, the, for many families, they just get going. Things are real busy. Mm-hmm. But, but actually, the, the, the best would be if when, when the family is up and starting to get going, that there is some kind of blessing that happens then, some kind of prayer and request from God for graces and blessings that are needed as one gets into the day. Sure. And if possible, to do that as a family or if at least dad or mom or, you know, one of the parents will bless children as they begin the day before they go to school or before perhaps you have breakfast or mm-hmm. perhaps before there's a beginning of studying at home if there's homeschooling, whatever it right. may be, the scenario but there, there is a prayer for blessing and mm-hmm. a prayer for graces that are needed because God sees and God knows what those needs are that that will be faced during that day mm-hmm. and and the, you know we souls don't always know but when we pray we our Lord shows us he's pleased our Lord gives graces he's, he sets those up ahead of us and we can thank God ahead of time right. that he takes care of us that way but I would say the point is is to ask for that to be attentive to it uh, as you begin the day as well
0: right. And I think it's a beautiful one when people put uh, uh, holy water in a font. Uh, as they go out the door and, and bless themselves, either, either going out or coming in. That's a, I see a lot of yep. families that do that, and that's beautiful, too. So, that's right. Yes, and if you want to call in, Father's here to answer your questions. Father Randall Kazel, I'm Michael Goldsmith, and the number is 877 You can also send your questions in on Facebook, and just go on to, to our Facebook page, and you can type in your question right there, and we'll get that on the air here for for you with Father. We didn't have another one from Facebook. Brady is on Facebook here, Father, and he's asking for tips on beating scrupulosity. Did I say that right? <laughs> yes. Tips
1: on beating scrupulosity. That is a great question. That's a great question. So for let's for our listeners, what what is scrupulosity? I'm going to try to describe sure. it here. Scrupulosity. Scrupulosity is the tendency of the of the conscience uh, to inaccurately or w- without accuracy uh, determine sin or what is sinful behavior. A scrupulous person uh, thinks or believes a certain behavior or action is sinful when it is not sinful. So it applies a moral quality to an action that does not have that moral quality of right or wrong. Mm-hmm. So the person then can get trapped into thinking they're committing sins uh, when they're When they're, not. When they're really not. Yeah? yeah. So one of the first and most important things is to find a good confessor and commit to one confessor. And uh, I'll tell you straight up, the devil will try to let you not do that because mm-hmm. a, a good confessor who understands this will, will help free the soul. And even, you know, in some some uh, serious cases of scrupulosity, the, the confessor will need to uh take up take upon the conscience of that person because one thing is in extreme cases of scrupulosity maybe the person will say well i i think i committed a sin i can't go to communion uh and then the confessor will say well I- I- if it's really not a sin to say well you, you, you cannot go to you have to go to communion unless i tell you mm. you can't you know so you, you the person needs to be trained to understand what, what really is scrupulosity but for the average m- most cases uh finding a good confessor Listening to the counsel and confession, perhaps spiritual direction as well. I was
0: just going to yeah. ask about that.
1: And uh, um, and then after that comes uh, growth in uh, uh, receiving the mercy of our Lord and trust. Really, mm-hmm. really, what what ends up being the victor over scrupulosity mm-hmm. is the the virtue of trust, which is rooted in hope uh, that because the soul the soul one of the the leading temptations regarding scrupulosity as the devil tries to suggest, well, you're, you're, you're not a good person mm. or our Lord doesn't love you or you're not redeemable. You know, you, you never get to heaven. Those kind of things the devil likes to build kind of in, in, into yeah. scrupulous tendencies in the conscience. And so then the person tends to want to give up on the pursuit of holiness and the will
0: weakens. And so it is a serious thing. Um, that that would be in really heavy, you know, and that's probably sure. a good... Yeah. Can I ju- I, Not to interrupt your thought, but I mean, with the spiritual direction, you know, Sometimes it's not always a, a a priest, right? So a good spiritual director would would be able to point you in the direction of going to the confession, right? Well,
1: yes. I in this kind of case, I, I would not recommend. I would recommend a good priest confessor. I, right. would not, I would not recommend someone who's not a priest good. if someone really has a case of scrupulosity. That's where I. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, you know, getting back to dealing with it. Um, I would say that the, the, the person needs to, to trust the counsel that is given in the confessional and the trust in the grace and to continue to develop the uh, aspect of trust in our Lord. And that's the, the beauty of the devotion to divine mercy, mm-hmm. uh, that the divine mercy devotion, our Lord gives great assurances uh, and that he asks people to take his graces. And it, it takes some time to understand that sort of generosity from our Lord, how generous he really is, and and then how, when he's generous, that that very gift of of generosity uh, beckons a response of trust, mm. and then built upon that trust, the will becomes more and more free, and the soul becomes more and more free uh, to respond generously to our Lord and with freedom in one's mind and heart. Uh, one last quality regarding scrupulosity: point out is that sometimes uh, the the conscience can be quite free in most areas of the moral life, uh, but there may be a f- just one or two areas where the person lacks freedom uh, to understand. What is really right and wrong, mm. and what what true the truth is about uh, their particular experiences. Um, uh, but one thing I would want to give hope for anyone who experiences scrupulosity that's a particular suffering that someone can offer to our Lord. That's a, and I think it's a even a very powerful one in our time to struggle with it, to find the right counsel and and spiritual direction in the midst of it. Um, but at the same time, that that our Lord um, will will um, receive that suffering and uh, we, we live in our time really a, a crisis where consciences are not well formed or mm. we, we actually have the extreme in the opposite direction uh, where people are really unscrupulous, we would mm. call it. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're people are treating sin uh, as, as unimportant right. and as not not really consequential. Uh, and that's that's the thing that that pro- one of the things that concerns me is we know in the real world that there are uh, consequences for, for things we know. do and <laughs> our Lord makes that promise in scripture for those who love him there's going to be a good consequence and those who don't love him there's going to be a very difficult consequence of course unless they repent mm-hmm. you know then one can be open to the good consequence of eternal through, through life
0: through the confession sure confession
1: mm-hmm. repentance from sin yeah so you know there are consequences for our behaviors uh, good behavior good and bad behavior bad mm-hmm things we don't want so but now in our time the the consequences that our lord has said will come uh, have been separated in our thought process from what should we actually do right. and that's that's very concerning in my mind and so an unscrupulous conscience there
0: do you think that ties when we were talking earlier about ignatius and, and catching that 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 interconnection between yourself and working on that i mean sometimes that breaks down yeah, you know yeah, kind yeah. of i mean that's what i just thought about I, I don't know if that really is connecting there or not but i think that that's important that that we draw ourselves back into prayer back in to adoration i think if i read some things in di- the diary of saint Faustine, she really kind of dealt with some of this suffering and, and moving in you know and jesus i trust in you right
1: well sure yeah the the inner movements are important to listen to that and and so, along with the inner movements, so what's happening is is continuing to have the information of our faith, the data, understanding, and knowing our faith, uh, knowing the Ten Commandments, knowing the the moral law, knowing the the exposition in the Catechism, mm-hmm. which forms the conscience. As the Catechism is that interior that interior power given to us by God to know and discern right from wrong, and the the judge of right for wrong, the one who gives us that information is God Himself. Mm-hmm. Something is right because God has said so, right. and something is wrong because god has said so mm-hmm. not not any human person right. god is mm-hmm. the one who has made us to know that and it is what clouds that is sin and what clouds that is is inordinate self-love of saying i, w- I want to do whatever i want to do right. when the reality is is that living in that way do whatever i want to do leads to great unhappiness mm-hmm. but our our hearts are ordered for true happiness and only and God has made us for that happiness so he he is the one who shows us the way to have and to know and to live in that gift back to in his Will yeah, and that's why no, not only hearing not only hearing the movements within our soul of what God is doing, and all the various ones because the devil may be permitted to tempt, and we may have our own thoughts as well going on inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to listen to the interior movements, and then also uh, to know what is God's objective will, what is, what does He teach through His Church, what does He revealed in Scripture and tradition?
0: Yeah. We still have some time left. If you want to give a call, 877-795-0122, uh, to ask a question. You can be on the air, or you can uh, give us a, a shout-out on Facebook with a question, and Father can certainly answer it. We still have a few more minutes left here, so if you want to call, 877-795-0122. Some great questions are yeah. uh, ready today, Father, good. and some good, very good insights from you. appreciate that. You're always uh, on top of... Uh, good insights as to uh, questions that come up, and you're very blessed in that manner. So, <laughs> Yes, well,
1: we do our best, thanks be to God. Yes. Our Lord has been good to me.
0: And it looks like we have one more question coming up. Yeah, in. that's great. We'll wait for that to, to finish coming up here. And again, we're here at St. James Coffee. I'm Michael Goldsmith with Father Randall uh, Kazel. We are in Rochester, Minnesota, enjoying a beautiful day, really, uh, because God has made it. Uh, whether it's raining or snowing or whatever, it's always beautiful, because we know the love of God is present there, correct? That is right, yes. Our
1: <laughs> Lord is there, but you know, we have, uh, right here at St. James, uh, it's a wonderful place to be, Is we have, the, the Blessed Sacrament is right here yes. at St. James, a beautiful little chapel. I think they have mass here so once, once in a while, Once a month, month. yeah. yeah yep. that's mm-hmm. a, and they uh, do a lot of good things right here at St. James. Yes. And also, um, the Pox Christi is across the street here, so there's another church here just yep. nearby. Yeah.
0: Well, we have this question. Uh, we have a listener that has called in and says, why? Why is St. Cecilia the patron saint of music?
1: Well, that's a great question. Her feast day is actually tomorrow, November 22nd. Mm -hmm. Uh, St. Cecilia is a virgin and martyr. Uh, She's believed to have given her life in the persecutions of the 3rd century, which would have been in the the 200s. She sang to God in her heart on her wedding day, desiring to live for Christ alone. And thus, with the help of an angel, Cecilia converted her pagan husband, Mm -hmm. and then both died as martyrs. So she's honored uh, in this way as being a patron of music because she had this singing to God. She had this uh, lifting up of her voice. Her pictures, her statues are often depicted with an organ or a viola or a lyre. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then with the the verse from Psalm 33, verse 2, give thanks to the Lord on the harp, on the ten-string lyre offer praise. Mm -hmm. So, Cecilia is invoked uh, then as the universal patroness of music. And sometimes in churches you go into the choir loft and you'll see a stained glass window of St. Cecilia reminding everyone to be devoted and and, uh, it's good for musicians and those inspiring to serve the church in any musical way to have some devotion to Saint Cecilia, uh, yeah. but I might add also to the angels because they're they're, they, mas- they're masters in praising God right. too. That's right. They are the choir, right? <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> well, thanks so much for everybody who's called in with their questions. We hope that Father has answered them in his best of visibility and that you have gained some insight from those. And we do this segment every every time we have a priest available and uh, Father Kazel again I, I am admire inspired by your thoughts and inspirations so coming up we wanna, want to want uh, to listen uh, to Tracy Mullabach on how she found Christ through the challenges of life and how she can help others to do the same And later in the show we're going to take the 10 minute tour and we are going to go all around the area to tell you what's going on and I'm uh, Michael Goldsmith with Father Randall Kazel. We are here at St. James Coffee, and we'll be right back with more Real Presence Live.